So what if you got it in like ice cream, right? And there were the gold, the gold flakes, whatever. Could you put it on one of those like sifting things that gold miners do, let the ice cream melt out, and like, would buying the ice cream be less expensive than buying the actual gold when you bring it all together and melt it into a gold bar? Hey everybody, welcome to the B is for Business podcast. Hope you guys are having a good day. I'm uh, feeling a little under the weather today. I got the COVID booster yesterday um, before the trip we're going on, and I, uh, I'm i not feeling great. Some people are saying that this might be a Michael Jordan-esque flu game. Some people are saying it. I don't know who, but some people. Uh, yeah, I think that's a wait-and-see scenario because <laughs> Michael Jordan performed pretty well in that game, and we got to see how you do on the podcast. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's we'll true. have to have the listeners go through reviews and, and let you know how your performance was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely am not feeling great, but we will go through it. Let's get, get right into it. Um, so let's talk about uh, the stock market and crypto right now because both of those have been going kind of nuts the last couple of weeks. Uh, a lot of like Ethereum's been up. I think it's up twenty five percent right now. Bitcoin was up twenty two percent. The Cardano was up like thirty five percent. Those are the three main crypto that I look at often. And then the stock market. You're having like uh, Apple. Like all the big tech stocks are doing extremely well the last couple of weeks. I think Apple's up like thirteen percent or something. Um, Tesla's up like twenty five percent in the last two weeks. It's been going off. So what do you guys think about that? Uh, I mean, for the stock market, I haven't been too plugged in recently as far as individual stocks go. I see that the market's bounced up a little bit, but I'm just kind of sticking with my prediction from the beginning of the year where I think we're going to have these kind of swings, but I think it's going to be relatively flat overall. And I think since January 1st, we're still probably down a good amount. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think, yeah, with how volatile things are these days, there will be these big swings, but I wouldn't be surprised if it goes right back down to kind of where it was two weeks ago in another month. So you, you never know. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I'm kind of on the same thesis um, where I said in January, this year is going to be a very flat year in terms of the start and end. But obviously in the middle, we're going to have a lot of ebbs and flows and ups and downs. Um, you know, So I'm continuing to dollar cost average in. Um, and yeah, that, that's all I, I really can do right now. Yeah, I, I think what's happening, like you said, like a lot of ups and downs you both talked about. I think we've had the uh, the reason i think we're bouncing right now is because we had like all this negative really bad negative news priced in like the ukraine russia situation the interest rate hikes have been being priced in for a while and i think all that was priced in and then we got the interest rate news last week or i think it was two weeks ago now mm-hmm. we got that news like right as these started the stock started to come back up um and yeah i think it could be one of those things where yeah we got the news we're seeing the bounce and then yeah it, it might come back down we're gonna I think they they changed it to now it's seven interest rate hikes, right? Is what the Fed said. I don't think we didn't talk about it last week um, because right. um, we didn't we didn't have like a standard episode last week. But I think their rate height increases will like always scare people at the time. But right after, I think when people realize it's not affecting any market in a dramatic way, then it'll just bounce a little bit. Well, if they only do 025 percent, because right, that's what they yeah. did for the first hike. And there, there's still concerns that they're going to say, okay, you know what? We need to do a 50 basis point hike or even a 75 or even, even one. Like there, that's not out of the question that mm-hmm. it could happen. And that I think could really hurt markets yeah. if they do all of a sudden, instead of doing, okay, 0. 0.25, 0. 0.25, all of a sudden go oh, 0. 0.5 or 0. 0.75 out of the blue. That 
that could be yeah. interesting. So. Yeah, and I think you'll really have to see, like, we'll kind of have to wait and determine how bad those interest rate hikes hurt the actual companies. Because, like, from a stock market perspective, jumping the rate up 0.5 points doesn't actually do anything to the stock price. It Obviously, people will sell maybe more. But it affects the companies, which then will report worse earnings, which then that would impact the stock price. So I think we really just have to see how companies are impacted by Especially it. Especially companies borrowing money mm-hmm. that are really projecting their future earnings, like uh, big tech growth companies. Those yeah. companies will get hurt. So. I, I think part of the reason you could also have this bounce now is um, like, yeah, you might think that they'll go down when they announce this like official rate hikes for the year and stuff like that. But you also look at the fact that the market usually doesn't like uncertainty and now they have some certainty like they they know essentially what they're getting. I mean, things could change, but I think when they're given like, OK, this is happening. And like you said, people see right away that it's, it's not really affecting anything immediately. Um, then I think kind of people get a little less scared to invest and they kind of start putting their money back in. Um, yeah, I think we should also talk not just about the stock markets. Obviously, we know interest rates impact everyone in every market. Uh, but we should talk about the house market, I think, and especially mortgage rates, because those are really climbing up. Actually, I mm-hmm. think on Friday, the, the average rate was 4.95%. So it's almost 5%. Yeah. Which is, it's still historically pretty low but in terms of the past two years it's pretty high and it's really decreasing people's purchasing power which is tough yeah and i think we should definitely mention that the federal fund rate that we're talking about just getting raised by 0.25 percent is not actually the mortgage rates going up by 0.25 percent right um, yeah but mortgage rates have actually gone up more than more that. than that yeah because i think mortgage rates are uh they kind of mirror the 10-year t- treasury yields and those that's like i think 2.5 percent right now and just a couple weeks ago, it was under 2%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so pretty soon, that's going to be 3%, and the mortgage rates are going to be over 5%, unless something changes. But they're, they're, it's really uh, pricing in you know, more hikes, more aggressive hikes, uh, faster hikes. So. Yeah. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how it affects it. Yeah. What do, what do you think um, home prices will do with these rising in, uh, mortgage rates? So I personally right now think that nothing's going to change. I think at least with the 0.25 increase that we've seen so far, mm-hmm. I think if we see a increase to like you said, we're almost at 5% right now mm-hmm. for mortgage rates. If we see those go to 6%, I still think we're, we're pretty low and that's affordable for people. And I think until we get to like maybe six and a half or 7%, I think I've said it before. I think that's where people would really start to look at it and where because it doesn't affect their down payment at all. Mm-hmm. It affect obviously if the home prices go up, your down payment has to go up. But it just affects their monthly payment and I think with how much money has been printed recently, a lot of people can afford to make those monthly payments. And the job market is still really good right now unless something changes there. I think people can make these payments even if they're $100 higher a month or something like that. So, I think that that's what would have to happen is people would have to not be able to make the payments because so many people want to get in homes right now and the supply is so low. And we've printed so much money that I think people have the cash. Like, have you guys seen the stats about like 80% of the US, the currency has been printed in the last 24 months? Yeah. 80% of the US dollars out there right now. Yeah. That is an absurd amount of money that they pushed into the economy, which is why we're seeing the high inflation and all that. Or it's part of the reason we're seeing all that. So I think that just people have money right now. Yeah. And I think they'll be willing to pay it for to get into a house that they like. I somewhat agree, but it's going to be very tough and people's purchasing power just goes to shit. 
because I, I personally know people who were approved for like $500,000 loan and then a month went by and then now it's $450,000 and then as of like last week, it's $400,000. Yeah, so, so like they're losing like $100,000 of purchasing power. And obviously that means the price of their the house they can afford is, is less, but their, their payment, the monthly payment is still going to be the same because interest rates going up. Yeah. So and- yeah, they might be able to afford that same payment that they would before. So that hasn't changed, but the price of the house that they can afford has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. So that that's definitely going to be tough. And that's at what rates are 4.95%. And if the Fed hikes seven more times, that means rates could easily be 7% by the end of the year. And another 2% on top of that, like people are not going to be able to afford these crazy houses. Yeah. It, they, 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 they just can't. But obviously, there's still cash buyers, investors, like no problem. They, they can buy these. Yeah, there's more investors in real estate yeah. now than there has ever been in history. Yeah. So obviously, like a lot of people that have the ability to buy all cash just come in and pick up every house they can, mm-hmm. then that's going to keep prices skyrocketing. Yeah. Um, and I personally don't know who's going to want to sell if they already locked in a t- like a 2.75% interest rate and now it's 6% or whatever, if it gets like 6 or 7 like, wh- why would they sell unless they had to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Almost all the new supply pretty much has to come from homes being built because a lot of people aren't moving to a new home. So if there's not a lot of migration between homes either, it's going to be hard for people to find houses to buy, which right. is just going to keep that supply even lower, push the values up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still see the values rising slowly, at least into like this spring season when, when home sales pick up. And I think with the rising rates, yeah, it will start to price some people out and that sucks. But I also think if you can afford to buy one, I wouldn't say like, oh, because the rates are up near 5%, now is a bad time to buy. I mean, home prices have been rising since like relatively consistently since uh, the last crash in 2008, 2009. And in 2018, rates were up higher than they are now. They were close to 5%, I think. And people were still buying. And so I think it's it's tough to time the market. Like, yeah, rates may go down again at some point if we kind of slip into like more of a recession. Um, you could see something like that. But I just it doesn't make sense to time the market in something like real estate when you could refinance later on if it turns out that they go back down. So I would say if you can buy and you're looking to buy, I wouldn't let this stop you unless it completely prices you out, which again would suck. Right. Yeah, and even if it's not... Uh cash buyer investors don't really care what the interest rate is if they plug it into their spreadsheet where they're running the numbers and doing their underwriting on their investment property if their numbers work at a seven percent interest rate and they're going to be cash flowing and they're going to make money from it with the loan pay down the appreciation all the tax benefits they're going to keep buying regardless if the interest rate is 15 percent, investors will still buy if the rents are high enough and the numbers still work so I think it really comes down to like just the average buyer and because like a lot of investors don't buy single family homes, that's like a little bit more rare um, that will really swing the market from like a price is going up or price is going down perspective, I think. Yeah. And I think what you just mentioned about buying like an investor wouldn't hesitate necessarily. It might hesitate a little, but if the numbers work, they'll just make it work with the higher interest rate. And it's good that like you could refinance in the future. And turns out if the deal works now at these high rates as an investor, it's probably going to work even better at the low rates if you're looking for cash flow or something like that. So I think if you can get it to work at a high rate, an investor 
Like, it's like, why wouldn't you do that? Because mm-hmm. if it goes down, I mean, I doubt they get as high as 15% in the near term, but it's probably going to go down eventually if it gets up that high. And you can refinance, lower your monthly payment, and the deal's just working even better. So, yeah, you definitely can't go off speculation, though. That's how bubbles are created. Like, if an investor is like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, yeah, interest rates are high, but they're going to go down, but it's going to keep appreciating. I feel like that's a bad thing to do. But if the investor was like, okay, well, I'm getting like $200 a castle from this property. Like, I feel like that's good because that's not speculation. That's actually happening every month rather than, oh, you know, rates are going to go down again or this home is going to go up. Like, that is a little more risky, in my opinion. It's more speculation than having that cold, hard cash flow coming in every month. Well, yeah, that's why, like, I preface it with if the numbers work, like Joe said, then why wouldn't you do it? If the numbers work then, I mean, whether, like, if you're looking for cash flow, whether the value of the home goes up or down doesn't really matter. Yeah, I I guess I I, I should have started that by saying um, I've seen investors throwing away the cash flow model and say, okay, you know what? This isn't going to cash flow right now, but it's going to gain someone's value. And I'll be able to refinance, and then then it will cash flow. Like that is I okay. Think, well, not believe I it or question, not, there. I have a question for both of you. Yeah. So if you are speculating, you're buying a home with the expectation that you think it's going to go up. Yeah. Right. Just because the market's going up, that's speculating. Right. Do you think that it's still speculating if you believe it's going to go up? For a whole bunch of reasons, like supply, interest rates still being at historically low rate. Um, I don't know, just all these factors that are going into home prices going up right now. If you truly believe it's going to go up and you have data that supports it, is it still speculation at that point? Yeah, because that data could change. It could. Yeah. But if you I, I guess I'm see saying... it from a lot of different angles and yeah. you believe that there's a much higher chance of it going up than going down, obviously in any situation financially, there could be something that happens where the variables change and like prices crash. Right. But if you see that the majority of the variables are saying that this asset is going to continue to appreciate, then is it really speculating at that point? I don't know. I think you're playing the odds and you're playing right. the percentages and it might not actually be a speculation. Yeah. So that, that's why I think when you buy the numbers should work right now rather than, okay, these numbers might not work right now, but they'll probably work next year. Like, yeah. you know, 99%, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm looking at interest yeah, rates. Yeah. I feel like that's not a good thing to do. Yeah, no, I, I agree there. I do think you should, like, at least cash flow break even. Right. I think that that is the bottom where yeah. I would go. Yeah, yeah. But if, like, say you run the numbers on a deal and you're making $50 a month in cash flow, which mm-hmm. at, like, purchase prices in our area, which are, like, four hundred dollars or $500,000 homes on average, that's, like, a very small cash-on-cash return. I think as long as you're cash flowing a little bit and you expect that cash on cash return to go up in the future, that's okay. But yeah, I wouldn't do something where you're losing $200 a month in cash flow and negatively cash, have a negative cash on cash return. That I would not do. Yeah, I agree with you there. Here's what I'll say. I'll touch on both, but there are investors. I mean, you look around like where we are, you can find areas that cash flow. Um, There are certain areas of the country that will cash flow like the Midwest a little better, like for your dollar than here. But you go to a place like LA, if you want to invest in real estate, appreciation is where you're going to make most of your like increase in net worth and most of your your money. Like you might, like Joe said, you don't want to lose money monthly, but you will settle for cash flow and just hope and speculate, Hope. On, speculate <laughs> on the appreciation, you know, like that is how you invest in an area like that a lot of times because it is tough with how high prices are and how fast they appreciate to get that cash flow. 
Yeah, you the cash flow is a very small component of the wealth building that real estate gives you. Like the home appreciation and loan pay down are significantly more. Even if you make like let's say you make a hundred and fifty or two hundred dollars per rental unit that you own in cash flow, you're gonna need like a lot of rental units to match your salary and like become financially free with that. Yeah. Um, but you can get there quicker if they appreciate and the loan gets paid down because likely the principal part of the mortgage payment that you're paying on that house is larger than the amount of cash flow you're getting. So you're actually building equity quicker through the loan pay down than you are the cash flow that you're getting in a lot of situations. Like obviously you can have a high interest loan where your interest part of the payment is higher than the principal. And then in that situation, you wouldn't be building it as fast as the cash flow. Yeah. Speaking of high interest loans, so obviously one thing that you know people see high interest like oh no that that sucks but one thing is actually a tax benefit there you can write off more um end of the year because you pay more in interest yeah you get a which, mortgage interest statement yeah so if your, your monthly payment is is the same as it was before but you had a lower interest rate and you have a higher interest rate and you pay more in interest but less in the principal you can actually save more money over time yeah it's interesting and from an investor's perspective if you're cash flowing all that interest is paid by the tenant anyway right. and then you get yeah. to write it off <laughs> yeah. so you're not paying any of it and you get the write-off for yeah. it so uh, it's a big advantage for sure tax benefit yeah, yeah I, so so i do want to hop back to when you talked about the word speculation and you said if you have data to back it up it sounded like you were saying that it's not speculation so much if you have a lot of data to back up your point. Yeah. But what I'm going to say here is if you think like a scientist and you change the word speculation to theory mm-hmm. and you're going to do an experiment, you have data and this is why it's your theory. Let's say you have some data to back up what your theory is and that's why it's your theory. And then you run the experiment and oh, it didn't happen. Your theory was not proven correct. It's possible you could speculate and have all this data to back up. This is why it's my speculation or whatever. And then something goes wrong. Something happens. Doesn't happen. It's not. It's yeah. not accurate. Yeah. You so know, that's it's not like, a fact. Yeah. That's like the variable change we were talking about. So like right. obviously if uh, some like black swan event happens, it could crash real estate prices or right. crash the stock market or crash crypto. Um, like what if like tomorrow something happens where like everyone finds out Bitcoin is somehow a huge scam, then immediately Bitcoin's going to go way down, right? If it's proven, but that's a variable that no one would see coming. And the odds of that variable happening are significantly less than the odds that that variable does not happen. So I think that's how I I would think of it. Yes. But I think even if there's a 99.9% chance something will happen, that 0.1% that could derail it or whatever is, is, means that it's still speculation you don't yeah. know for a fact that something's coming it's speculating yeah but you don't know for a fact that you're going to get the cash flow when you underwrite the house that you're going to get that's an estimate exactly that you're saying like with uh with reasonable probability when i buy this house i'm going to get this much cash flow it's very possible you get right. no cash flow yeah. or you get more than you thought yeah. because you were too conservative or variables change like i don't know i just i just think using statistics to pick the most probable solution is mm-hmm. the way to go. I, I see what you're saying. And there, like you said, there's so many variables that can impact that. But obviously, if you think in terms of probabilities, then you have a higher um, higher likelihood of success. Yeah. And I actually saw something that Elon Musk only thinks in probabilities and not certainties when running businesses, like both with like Tesla and SpaceX. 
because nothing is certain in business. So he takes actions with the highest chance of success. And that's right. how he's been so successful. He's okay. If I do this, this is going to give me the highest probability of success. So I'm going to do that. Yeah. So yeah. I'm basically Elon Musk. <laughs> the way I think is Elon yeah. Musk. Yeah. We actually, do you guys remember like a f- probably a few months ago, we all took one of those like personality tests. The person, what I got, I forget. It was like architect something. Yeah. Was, you were the same as me. I mean, like we're the, identical twins. Yeah. So yeah. We got the surprise, but it, I think we were INTJ. Yeah, we got the yeah. same thing. I forget like what it was, but and I forget like exactly what the traits of someone with that was, but it showed you at the bottom people with the same traits and Elon Musk was actually on mine. So it was like Michelle Obama, obviously they're very different people I would think. Yeah. Um but apparently but they your have personality, the same personality doesn't determine trait. exactly what you're going to do. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's like yeah. a very general personality trait. Like there's only I think how many different types of them? I don't uh, I well, it, I mean, depends, but like the Myers-Briggs, it's 16, I believe. Yeah. Um, I would, I think it's like yeah. cool because what I saw was it like told me things about my personality that like I thought about it and I was like, a lot of these are kind of true. Like, this is kind of how I think I feel like this is how I operate. Yeah. And it actually showed me like when I read it, it shows you like weaknesses of the, the people mm-hmm. with that personality trait too. So it's cool. Cause I saw those and I'm like, okay, now I can work on those. I think. That was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah I think like for example, like I think if I remember correctly, I was I N T J, and they all stand for something different. So that I could also be an E, and that I stands for introverted. It could also stand for extroverted. So someone could be E N T J instead of I N T J. But for example, me as I N T J, when like I have like closer friends and stuff, I have no problem. But like going out into like a large crowd, let's say, me getting up on stage and giving a speech. That's very unlikely to happen. I'm not extroverted. I can't like put myself in those kind of situations with a bunch of new people that I don't know. But as an introverted person, like it makes sense why, like, I don't know. It's just like, it did seem kind of accurate. Like you said that, um, it makes sense why I would get I instead of E. Yeah. It does tell you about yourself. And it it also, I looked it up. It was kind of cool to look at. I forget, but like you could look up like different salaries of different people with different personalities and see like what kind of jobs, most people with your personality have and things like that, which is really cool. To look yeah. At. Yeah. It was cool. I remember there was like a ton of data Yeah, in there. It doesn't really have any real world application yeah. necessarily because you can yeah. do what you want no matter what personality you have. <laughs> right. But it is kind of cool to look at you and kind of see what you are. Yeah. yeah. So that personality isn't, it's not going to determine your outcome, but right. it can give you a, you know, good odds of say, okay, this person might have a higher chance of success if they go this way rather than that way, depending yeah. on you know, how they are. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely recommend checking that out for people who haven't checked that out. It's pretty cool. And on? I don't think it took long. I think it took me less than 10 minutes to do. What, what, what is the website? Are we sponsored by them yet? <laughs> I don't remember. I, forget. I think yeah. it took it a while oh, It's ago. called 16 something. 16 personalities maybe. Something I think like you that. can just ter- search like free <laughs> personalities. Website. Yeah. You could do it on any website. I'm sure yeah. they're all like kind of similar. Um, before, before we move on from the housing stuff, I just... I feel like there's a couple more things we should hit on. So yeah. with the interest rates rising, everyone's like interest rates rising is a given. And it, it is right now. It's a given. Uh, okay. We were just talking about probability. There's 90 something percent certainty that interest rates are going to rise yeah. more times this year. Yeah. Um, with that, I believe they will do it. Uh, they said seven times. I'm going to trust that they're going to do it seven times right now. I do think eventually though, if you look at a historical interest rate chart for the last hundred years, we are consistently trending down. So I do think we're going to have all these interest rate hikes. They're going to go up. But I think ultimately, if you look 
30 years from now into the future, I think rates will be low. I don't think they'll be higher than they are today, right. personally. So I think like if you look at Europe, it's similar to Europe's in at negative interest rates. I think we've talked about that before. Mm -hmm. I think the U.S. is just trending in that direction overall. So just like a stock, you might see these ups and downs in the interest rates. But I think ultimately over time, they're going to come down. And if you're a home buyer now and you buy a house at, let's say they keep going up a little bit, you buy one at like five and a half or six percent. And then next year, interest rates are four percent. So yeah, maybe you made a bad choice, but you can always just refinance at that time. Um, it's much easier to refinance a home than to find a new one to buy. Like significantly, you're competing with yourself. You get to make the determination on when you want to refinance. Mm -hmm. So I think with the housing market specifically, if you're an investor, the interest rate, if it, if the numbers work on your spreadsheet, doesn't matter. I think, like I said before, it matters a lot more for the, the people who are buying them to live in as a single family home. But ultimately that is what drives the, the market for yeah. rental properties that are less than four units, residential properties. It is the large mass of people just buying single family homes. Yeah. So it's all up to them, I feel like. I actually I did see some stat and I don't know how true this data is because it seemed a little low. I at least around actually maybe because I'm biased around here because rent's so high and we have a high cost of living area around Boston. But it said that the average mortgage payment a month ago was fifteen hundred dollars. And then rent is sixteen hundred dollars. And then as of last week, it went up to eighteen hundred dollars that average mortgage payment. So now the average mortgage payment is higher than the average rent nationwide. So that I think that was something that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So like if you look at that, rents being higher than the mortgage payment, obviously it seems like it makes sense to buy then, right? If you're renting. But it's hard for a lot of people to save up for that down payment. And then it's also a challenge to pay for expenses. Like if your furnace breaks when you're renting, the landlord is going to pay for that. Right. If you're like our furnace actually just recently broke, that's like a ten thousand dollar fix. No, so rent that, rent now is cheaper. Oh, than buying. oh, you were saying it's cheaper now? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I got to do a better job listening. No, I I, <laughs> I, I could have said something wrong, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. And again, it, it was like the median uh, nationwide. So obviously, it's skewed depending on different areas. I know there's definitely still some areas where that's not the case. Um, but, but yeah, that, that's is. interesting because rates have gone up a lot recently, but also yeah. home purchase prices have gone up with the interest rates going up. Yeah. Obviously the mortgage payment, I don't mm -hmm. know what the, like, obviously it's different depending on what level of purchase price it is. Like if you're buying yeah. a $500,000 home, 1% hike in interest rate is very different than a 1% hike on interest rate on a hundred thousand. Exactly. Home. I don't know. Like around here, I think a 1% jump in interest rate is like a hundred dollars a month. Is that is that accurate? I feel like it's close to 1%. With... I think it's a little more than $100 a month. Okay. Because I've done some Okay, numbers. maybe. So, yeah, I haven't actually looked recently. But, like, yeah, a year like... or two ago, I think it was, like, 1%. And, obviously, home prices have gone up a bunch. So, that means right, it would be more. Right. So, that that's, like, kind of in line with what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I have... So, like, because we talked about all this, I kind of want to get your takes on home price predictions for the year. Do you guys mm -hmm. think because of these interest rates... Home prices are going to fall? Or do you guys think with the low supply, it's going to keep going? This episode of B is for Business is sponsored by Ty's Coffee. Are you looking for delicious tasting coffee to get you through the morning? Fresh from fair trade farms in South America, Ty's Coffee is 100% USDA certified organic and packaged in compostable and renewable bags with biostone labeling. Go to Ty'sCoffee.com to place an order of sustainable coffee today. That's Ty's Coffee, T-Y-S-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. Ty's Coffee, great tasting and great for the environment. 
Nope. I feel like we've talked about this. Yeah, we have talked about times. it multiple yeah, times. But I'll say it again. I think I, they're still going to keep going up. They might yeah. not go up as fast, but I yeah. still think they're going to keep going up because of a low supply. Yeah, things have changed since yeah. the last time we talked about it, though. They, and they I said I, more rate increases. They, right. There's like been a lot of variable change. Yeah. I mean, as of right now, they're still they're not going down. I mean, they do seem to have plateaued a little bit. They're not really going up as crazy as they were before. But I think the observer effect is really powerful. So if everyone thinks that home prices are going to crash, then they're going to do things to not make those homes crash. <laughs> yeah. So it's, I mean, I feel like a black swan event, like maybe a uh, hundred basis points hike that could cause them to probably crash. Yeah. That would, uh, I think hundred basis points crash. Yeah. I think we stock market would be down 30% that day. <laughs> yeah. Probably w- within one day it'd be down. Yeah. At least 10, 20, maybe 30%. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also think it, there's uh, a lot of like, factors to look at outside like for example like i don't think it's good to ever time the market so i don't see why like you hear that in stocks all the time i don't think it's good with real estate either so if you can afford it with these higher rates like i don't think it's going to slow people down from buying in this like hot spring season in the housing market and so i I don't know i just and yeah i don't know yeah also if you couldn't afford a mortgage at what 4.5 percent or no, sorry, if you could afford it at 4.5% and now you can't afford it at 5%, then you probably shouldn't have been buying that property in the first place. Because if like half yeah. a point percent difference is going to make an impact, then those numbers probably were just borderline working and you, you, you don't want that. Yeah, if you're pre-approved yeah, for a million dollar house, you shouldn't go out and buy a million dollar house necessarily. Right. <laughs> Unless yeah. it's like your dream home and you don't ever plan on moving and you can easily yeah. afford it. I know there are but... people out there who take the max loan and that that can be risky so i just just be careful i think uh one thing too that might have like maybe not a huge impact but like it's something one of those weird kind of things that you would never think about when like the housing market but we're kind of i mean the pandemic's still ongoing but it seems like we're winding down in terms of like hopefully there's not another big uh jump in cases or anything like that but people are finding out about their works now like if their work from home is kind of a permanent thing now like because the pandemic's kind of coming to a hopeful end here or if they're going to be going back to work so if a lot of people's jobs embrace the work from home i know like your job is kind of half and half now like you can kind of kind of mix and match like mine i gotta still go to the office but some people might get told hey you can work from home now permanently and then yeah. that light bulb in their head, oh, I should buy like my new house because I want this nice office space and stuff like that. So it might cause people to buy homes more because they spend so much more time there. They're like, I want to make it mine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just increase the demand. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just another little, little thing yes. I was thinking about. Yeah. Yes. I, Sorry. Go ahead. No, so I have a question. I, I'm not sure the, uh, the date on this, but do you know, have home prices increased roughly the same in like suburbs versus cities? Or are cities a little lower because people want to move out of the city and you know buy a house like Tom said and work from home? I I think that's the know? idea, like where a lot of people think it's going. But I do yeah. think cities have increased Still, just as yeah. much in price recently. Like yeah. I I don't really look at cities outside of like Boston or like the surrounding right. area of Boston, yeah. and it seems like they're pretty even. I mean. Yeah. I don't I'll, think we'll have to look up the data for sure. Yeah, but, yeah, I I do think like with a lot of people working from home, yeah, they might want to move out of the city, but a lot of young people do want to be in the city still. I think yeah. there's still a huge demand for that. Right. Even if people want to move to like the suburbs and like buy a, a much larger house that they can afford, uh, like the, the size of the house, the further you go from the city is going to be way bigger mm-hmm. for the same price. Yeah. So nope. like some people will want that, but yeah. also some people are happy in like a smaller apartment. 
in that they bought in like a nicer high rise in in a city. Yeah. So could millennials kill single family homes as they have less kids and live with their parents longer and maybe rent longer? That that maybe. could be you know, in a, in a mass like um, you know, exit of of people you know not buying homes like that that could have a big impact down yeah, the road. Yeah, it's possible. The population's not declining though yet, right? It's slowing. It's right. Like the, we're not seeing population decline. That would be a huge it's issue. Disinflating we're, the population it's, right now. It's going up, but at a slower rate. Exactly. Right. Like yeah. yeah. Which is what a lot of people think real estate prices are going to do. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's interesting. I also so don't you, think you'd see the single family homes being killed until like a long hey, time. From I'm, now. I'm trying like, to give us a nice clickbaity I mean, title. Yeah. <laughs> Personally, like I don't live in a single family home now. Yeah. I did as a kid. I'd like to get back there. You know, I have a yard. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, like that. that's the American like, dream right there. A single family home in a nice area with, with a uh, green grass and a white picket fence in a quiet neighborhood at the uh, dead end of a cul-de-sac. <laughs> Yeah, right. yeah, but uh, right? I I do think it dog. is changing. A dog, a golden retriever, <laughs> like a you wife said. and two kids. <laughs> like you said, though. Tota Camry, too. <laughs> All right. I I'm do good. think it is changing, like you said. I do think a lot of younger people want to have the ability to move around more, whether they never buy. Like, that's also possible. Like, some people just don't want to buy a home because they want to move a lot. And, mm-hmm. like, it, it actually costs you a lot more if you're going to buy homes in every place than if you're going to rent a different apartment. Because mm-hmm. after closing costs and stuff, like, the closing costs on buying a new home is probably your rent for the year. Yeah. Like it's expensive. Yeah. So it just wouldn't make sense to buy that many homes if you want to move yeah. a lot. Um, I do. I did ask you guys what your prediction was and you didn't throw out numbers. So I'm going to give mine real quick. I love throwing out numbers because <laughs> there's a good chance I'll be wrong. And yeah, yeah people can call me out on it. But yeah. if I'm right just once. Oh, how much data do you call. have? To, are you speculating? I yes. am. <laughs> <He is>. Okay. <laughs> Based on what you guys said, everyone's speculating. Yes. No. Ev- so, everything yeah. has a. L- yeah. Never yeah. Mind. I'm not gonna get back into that. But say like, your number. With the data I've looked at, yeah. I think, like, I think I before I said like real estate prices would slow and we'd see like five or six percent, maybe seven mm-hmm. percent appreciation. I think we're gonna see like eight or nine again this year. Yeah, this year. We like saw, starting we saw now, fifteen to the end, seventeen percent last year, or year over year, spots. like January to December. That's January to December, not okay. from now on. Yeah. Because so like. We've already seen 2% growth this year right, in right, home yeah. prices. And we just went through the winter part, yeah. which is not the part where you – like usually you see it's really flat. And it was like pretty flat through like January yeah. and like part of February. But home prices the last month and a half were like up pretty much 2% here. I think it's almost yeah. 2%. It's like 1.89 or something yeah. percent in this area or close to that um, based on like some houses right. I've looked at. Yep. So when we hit the spring buying season, if we get like 4 or 5% just from the spring – now we're already at seven mm-hmm. and like, it's likely going to appreciate maybe a little bit in the fall and the winter. Um, yeah. when we have the usual slowdown. Yeah. So I don't know. I like throwing out specific. No, I like those numbers. because, yeah. because when we get to the end of the year and home prices have appreciated 8%, I can be like, called it. Yeah. But if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't care. Right. <laughs> it is what it is. It's my thought. <laughs> I yeah. like those numbers. I think that was a good prediction actually. Yeah, so I prefer ranges, so I'm going to go with negative 20 to positive 20%. Somewhere in it's that gonna range. It's going to come in at 20.5%. <laughs> percent <laughs> would be so mad. Uh. All right, so we talked a lot about real estate. We talked about stocks. Let's talk about crypto a little bit before we wrap Actually, it up. Actually, I want to go back to real estate oh, real sorry, quick. Sorry. In terms of millennials buying homes, I know it's tough for a lot of them because they're, they're locked in a lease, like a one-year, two-year lease. 
Like, how, how are you supposed to, you know, find a home if, if you can't really have a month-to-month lease? Especially right now, it's almost competitive to find a place to rent because prices are so high and people are locked in at, like, the prices a couple years ago as they've been there for so long. But for people who maybe live with the parents and want to move out while they're looking for a house, they really can't do it month-to-month. You have to get, like, a lease and you're locked in. And like you said, that full year of rent could be closing costs, could be a down payment with, like, a 3.5% FHA loan. So that's yeah. that's another uh, hurdle that millennials have to go through. Yeah, because so. um, the month-to-month lease is like dying. Yeah. Like that used to be a huge thing that you could do. Most landlords now are like they understand that it's a disadvantage to them to get that month-to-month right. lease. And it's also just a lot more work for them. Like yeah. there's way more turnover and stuff. So there's so many advantages to the long lease from a landlord's mm-hmm. perspective that like it's rare that you could find a place, like you were saying, that you could do month-to-month. Right. It's extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Whereas like thirty years ago, those were everywhere. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's an interesting. Yeah, I just thing want to, to touch upon that real quick, but yeah, that could yeah. definitely affect some people for sure. Yeah. Um. So crypto though. Yeah. Ethereum, up twenty five percent the last few weeks. Nice. Bitcoin, what was it? I think it was like twenty two percent last I looked, and then Cardano is another one I've been looking at recently that has appreciated. I forget that one was like thirty percent. Um, it was up really big. Yeah. So, uh, I think Cardano, what did, the, what did Cardano do? Tom, you, you know a lot about Cardano. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know that much. <laughs> I, Tom's like, I know I mean, nothing. You know, you know more than I do. So expert you, in you'd be better way. to explain but what they I, actually did. I will say that, um, this company Grayscale put together like a, a crypto fund of all, a bunch of like DeFi, uh, cryptocurrencies, like. Uh, and it was like X Ethereum, like it did not include Ethereum. So this wouldn't impact Ethereum. I don't think in any way, unless it was just impacting the broader market, but it, it basically gave exposure. If you invest in the fund to Cardano, uh, Solana, let me, let me look here. I think, I think it was like five or six of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. You don't need it. It was, yeah. yeah the you percentage the Cardano was the biggest Solana, Avalanche, Polkadot, Polygon, Algorand and Stellar. Yeah. Um, so those were like the ones in there. And so I think crypt, uh, Cardano being the biggest uh, percentage of that fund kind of kick-started kick it the most to have this this kind of run up. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what yeah. I wanted to talk about with this is because they basically formed like an ETF of these crypto coins. Kind of. Essentially. Yeah. So a I was thinking. A spot ETF for the price, right? Or is it? Um, I don't know exactly. Yeah. But but essentially, like you buy one thing and you're buying a percentage of all of these other ones. Yeah, I think it's, it's like kind if of you bridging the gap between just buying them individually and the fact that the SEC won't allow them to create an official ETF yet. Yeah. So I think it's but kind of like in between simi- that. Yeah. So it's similar though. So I was thinking, imagine if Ethereum and Bitcoin somehow like partnered together. Uh, how how would that? They have completely I, different blockchains. I don't know. Their blockchains are, are not. They're, they're separate. Yeah. I, okay. They're, I guess they're mutually partnering exclusive. was not the right word. Imagine yeah. if they somehow got put into an ETF together. Well, actually, that would be thinking, extru- thinking back to what our last guest said on New Money Nick, he, he just he had something really cool. He described uh, Bitcoin as the gold and Ethereum as money. So I feel like they wouldn't have to be like partnered together. They could be two separate uses like Bitcoin uh, store value, like gold and Ethereum could be a currency like what money is now. And if they can act separately, but have two different uses, then I think that's huge just for, you know, having different use cases. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't have like, 
like think it through fully. I just thought <laughs> like when I heard what they were doing there with Cardano and like yeah. Solana and all those other ones, it made me think like if somehow Ethereum and Bitcoin could like part not I, I keep saying partner, but that's not the right word. It's I can't really describe it. But if you could find a way to like buy one coin and it was doing like you kind of got a piece of both of them. So I, yeah, may, maybe if someone started like an ETF um, where it was like 50% Bitcoin, 50% Ethereum, and then you buy, I mean, I guess you could just buy that on your own. Yeah. But, or you could just yeah, buy one share and have 50-50. Is that kind of what you're saying? I, yeah, or I didn't really think maybe? it through fully, but I was yeah. kind of thinking like most people who are in crypto see the value in both Bitcoin and Ethereum separately. Right. On their yeah, own. Yeah, yeah. So if you could combine them somehow, then you'd get both sides of it. Without having to buy two separate coins. Yeah. I mean, that's like the whole issues with crypto. A lot of them haven't solved the trilemma, which is being completely decentralized, uh, scalable, and secure. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It te- if, yeah like- if there was a crypto that came out that could solve all those, then I guess in a way it could be like Bitcoin and Ethereum combined, where it could solve all those trilemmas and really be useful for everything, store value and the currency and exchange and all that. Yeah, I think to me, the ETF thing is like, if you did it, it wouldn't be the same as like buying Ethereum and owning Ethereum or buying Bitcoin and owning Bitcoin. You'd just be exposed to it. So I think how that helps is people will gain exposure to it um, like without actually having it, because I know a lot of people don't understand crypto. I'm not going to sit here and act like I fully understand it, Yeah, but, I, it, but it would allow a lot of those people who don't really understand crypto to still have exposure to the market um, and not worry about having to buy the coins or understanding how that works. Uh, like it, it would just allow people to invest who don't really want to fully like do the research and actually buy it. Okay. That is I kind of what perfectly what I was yeah. trying to say, but <laughs> yeah. I could not figure out how to <laughs> yeah. say it. Yeah. So kind of like how gold right now, like a lot of people want to own gold, but they don't want to deal with storing it. So they just buy a, a gold ETF. Or um, you know something that mines gold. That mm-hmm. way, they're ex- exposed to gold, but they don't actually have to own the physical gold and worry about storing it in a climate-controlled environment. Right. Exactly. Right? I got yeah. well. That's why I got rid of all my gold because it didn't fit in my bedroom. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I, like I. Yeah, that's crazy. How, how, it into how my many uh, ounces of gold did you have? Billion. Billion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how much. Wait, like how was... many ounces would be considered a lot? I think you buy the the little like one ounce yeah. gold bars or five or ten ounces. The... Like I don't know how big those. Did little you say bars billion? Are. A billion <laughs> ounces of gold. Was that? I a... hope you guys realize I was joking. That was a from gold start. I've never it? owned any actual gold. What was that like? A billion, a billion, billion, billion. Yeah. I just <laughs> said billion. Yeah. Uh, just like that. That's what. That, that's name of the bars. Very large number. Yeah. Boolean yeah, something like bars. that. I don't I, know what I'm saying it right. I think that would be like such a baller thing to just have just the gold bars. Like buy gold. the physical yeah. gold bars. I've looked into it before. I have it's, too. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I'm yeah, I but think like we all have cheap gold bar that's like one ounce. I think for a good quality one, which is what you want, is probably like a few thousand dollars, and it's like. I don't really have that kind of expendable cash right now when I'm really focused on like just buying real estate with all the money I can, yeah. buying like stocks, crypto, whatever. I'm just so heavy into investing in that. So when I do finally get to financial freedom and like have a lot of money sitting around and want to invest it, that's the time where I would actually consider buying something like gold. You're going to buy so much gold. I can already tell just I'm the way you're talking. My bedroom. So you're going to buy a gold watch, a gold chain, not, a gold yeah. necklace. Like, I'm gold. I'm just gonna use gold for like yeah. bed frame no longer gold. wooden just gold yeah pillows gold 
or you're gonna probably going to put it on your food, too. Some people eat gold, like gold shavings. Is oh, it, yeah. Are you yeah. serious? Yeah, I'm, I'm gold being, shavings I'm being in, what's that kind of, is it vodka? Is it kind of vodka? From Superbad movie? From the Superbad movie? The gold <laughs> no, Oh, like they vodka? do have it in Super. But that's a I real... Don't... I think there's a real... Oh, maybe it's champagne. Oh, it's champagne. Wait, I so think. you're serious? No, maybe I'm being serious. Gold? Yeah, like a lot of desserts. The I think flakes. in like Italy or something. Gold flakes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the thing. What if we... I don't so... know if it's... I mean, I don't think it's nutritious, but just the fact people want to eat gold. Like, <laughs> it's Yeah, I, I went today and I had gold cheesecake. They're like, oh, is that like a type? Like, no, like literally gold flakes, like real gold shaven flakes on my cheesecake. <laughs> so what if you got it in like ice cream, right? And there were the gold, the gold mm-hmm. flakes, whatever. Could you put it on one of those like sifting things that gold miners do? Let the ice cream melt out, and like, would buying the ice cream be less expensive than buying <laughs> the actual gold when you bring it all together and melt it into a gold? I water? guarantee you, people thought of that, and I bet the answer is no. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to try that. Someday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, that, that, that's, Tom, that's that's good Tom. You, Tom's gonna, you do really want gold. I, I can don't. Tell. I actually don't. Like I've never really considered it at this point in my life. Uh, like I said, someday if I ever have enough money, Tom, to... Tom's gonna be at the register at a store. <laughs> they're gonna be like, your total is eighty four dollars and sixty three cents. He's gonna be like, here's this many ounces of gold. <laughs> yeah, just um, pay for everything. In gold. Yeah. So yeah. I guess ultimately back to the crypto. I was trying to say what you were saying where because. Crypto is like the asset that I own that I know the least about. Like I definitely have a basic understanding of the main like Ethereum, Bitcoin, the main coins out there. I definitely have a basic understanding of it. But if you could buy one coin, like when I buy stocks, I buy a lot of the S&P 500 because I don't track stocks nearly as much as I should to buy an individual one. So I buy the ETF. If there was a version to do that with crypto, which I think, like, obviously it's been talked about for a long time. It would be a huge advantage to a lot of people, like you were saying, who are not as familiar with the crypto space but still want to be involved. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think where your confusion might be coming from is that you're referencing this thing like an ETF as a coin. Okay. <laughs> like, it, it, yeah, it would no, be difficult okay. to bring them all together okay. in another a, currency not that a, you would use. Not a coin. A one new ticker. Yes. Okay, there you go. There so you a go. basket of cryptos. A <laughs> yes. crypto basket. Yes. Is that what yeah. it's called? No, if I, not, I, it should be. I don't know. I feel like that's a good they name for it. They should start. Yeah. yeah when but, they come out with the first one, they should call it a crypto basket. Yeah. I mean, let's... Trademark let's, Tyler Murray. <laughs> trademark, yeah. I, I bet that's already like a thing or something. Someone said yeah, that. Yeah. But <laughs> let's let's not pretend, you know, obviously crypto is very difficult to understand and we, we don't know everything about it. But at the same time, like I, I do think a lot, okay, there's so much to learn about the blockchain and whatnot, proof of stake, proof of work. But I don't know everything about an iPhone that I use every day. Like I know obviously, you know, it's how it's made is complex and I still use it and it provides me value, but I don't know everything about it. I don't know, you know, how, how to wire it, if I needed to take it apart and put it back together. I mean basically I could, but I couldn't make one. But, you know, a lot of people are in the same boat. They don't understand the things they use. Like cars, most people don't even know like where the oil is. <laughs> like, I, they just I go... was just going to say, I think my biggest gap of like basic knowledge is cars. Right. Yeah. And you don't understand <laughs> you them. IPhone, you like, don't understand them cars. fully, right? But you trust them. You drive it every day. Yeah. Right? Why, why yeah. would I need to know where the oil is? My car is 60,000 miles and I've never once like considered the oil. <laughs> I knew you were going to say something like that. <laughs> I was trying to explain it in a way that you wouldn't have your yeah. little sarcasm joke. I got to switch out my winter air for summer air in my time. Oh, yeah. Don't forget well. about your blinker fluid, too. Yeah. 
yeah all that really funny youtube video by ross creations if you guys have ever heard of that guy oh, he that- drives a tesla to the mechanic and asks for an oil change <laughs> and the guy's yeah. like no 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 this doesn't need an oil change yeah. and he's like no no it does like the engine it, it needs oil <laughs> yeah. and the guy's like no no it doesn't and he's like just like pop the hood look at it and he put a regular car <laughs> gas powered engine into his tesla and it's just a really funny video. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, that good for that mechanic. He was a good sport about it. <laughs> like he was very level-headed and relaxed. I would be like, "What are you doing?" Like, yeah, very funny. Um, all right, I we're have, on. Tan- oh, I have sorry, one last quick thing say- to bring up in the crypto space before I think it's time to get out of here. All right. uh, this interesting story I saw. So Nick, uh, New Money Nick, was on episode thirty last week, and he mentioned how he got the airdrop for having a board ape yacht club. He has mm-hmm. a mutant one for the ape coins, so he got those new ape coins for free, and the price of that skyrocketed, came back down. So this one guy I heard in this story got over a million dollars because he, I guess you can borrow or like rent an NFT basically. So he basically rented five board apes. During the airdrop, got the got the Ethereum, gave the gave the board apes back because he was done renting them. He paid to rent them or whatever, and wait, that was it. That so was wait, it. wait, he, got he owned the, the board apes for less the, than a day. Wait, so he got, got the, the whole ape coin. He would got ape coin, not Ethereum, right? Oh, uh, what did he I say? Ethereum. Yeah, yeah, no, I meant ape coin. Yeah, that's cool. Right. I, was, I didn't so know. So pretty much, he bought that or. He owned the NFTs on like margin kind of for a day and then was able to yeah. make them profit. Like that's, maybe that's less crazy. than a day. It could have been wow. like an hour. And so yeah. the, could original, have been 10 minutes. the original owner of the board Ape didn't get that, right? Like no. they didn't double up. No. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So wild story. I'm going to start. Yeah. I'm going to have to get on top of it. But yeah, I think that just speaks drops. to like my limited knowledge on NFTs and how there's so much you can do with it. And like you can, there's ways like. That you can kind of yeah just... i wonder what the cost to rent was because a board ape is very expensive if he had to pay like oh i'm sure he paid like i think it was like three to five hundred thousand dollars something like that and he Jeez. got more than that in the drop over a million. Oh wow yeah so yeah interesting um but yeah interesting it's yeah time to get out of here yeah all right let's wrap it up thanks for listening to the b is for business podcast everyone check us out at b is for business on instagram and twitter and have a great week investing <laughs>